Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone watching at home. Thanks for tuning in and being here with us this morning. This is my favorite day of the week for sure. As a matter of fact, I'm so pumped from uh, Friday's worship night. Man, that was awesome, right? I know because biblically it tells us, I know we're made to worship him and glorify him. And that's what we're going to do in eternity. And we just had a little mini glimpse of what it's going to be like this past Friday. So it was super exciting. As I was preparing for this uh, series to begin this sermon, I started looking back in my life. And I'm so thankful to God for not only the circumstances, whether bad or good, that he's put in my life. Because I've grown through those. But for the people that he's put in my life. As I look around, some of you guys that have been coming to grace even before I came to grace, you have been so instrumental in my walk with Christ. Because I was thinking and praying about it, about how I was going to open up this series. I thought of one very, very special man in my life. My spiritual father. Pastor Chad McCartney. Now some of you might not know who he is. He was the previous senior pastor before I took his role, but man, he means the world to me. I remember 13 years ago when I first became a believer and I walked into this church, Grace Bible Church. I had been going to a small group, a men's group Wednesday morning, which he was supposed to be leading. But he wasn't here. He was up in Houston for about two months dealing with some uh, family things. And I kept hearing about the senior pastor, Chad McCartney. Who is this guy? I have no idea. But I remember when he finally came back and started leading those groups that I attended to, it was a, just a connection off the bat. He had for some reason heard of me already. And so he, I know, purposely reached out to me. He found out I was a spinning instructor. He, um, he was, uh, calls himself athletic. I don't believe he is. But anyways, so we'd go to my classes, right, and we'd hang out. And he got into cycling. I was into cycling. And I was a brand new believer. I didn't know the Bible for nothing. <laughs> but I remember as we were writing, I, I'll never forget this. I would ask him questions. I'd say, Chad, why do some Bibles have red letters? And lovingly and patiently he would say, uh, that's because Jesus was speaking. Oh, and then I'd take off and I'd have to wait because I'm a little more thick than he was. So I'd have to, and I'd, come on, Chad, hurry up. I've got more questions, right? <laughs> What's the New Testament? What's the Old Testament? And he told me. And he discipled me. You know what stands out more about Chad than anything to me? He said, yeah, I had met other men who said they loved the Lord, but they were religious. In a way, they were hypocrites. To me, they were like, oh, I, you can't touch me. I'm here and you're down here, dude. Until I met Chad. And I try to model my walk with Christ, my leading Jesus' church in the manner that he did. That's why I always say I'm just a guy, a sinful guy who's in love with Christ because Chad showed that to me. As I'm telling you this story, think for a moment. Who has been that person or those people in your lives that have helped you in your walk with Christ? That have discipled you in their walk with Christ? See, there's more to just understanding and receiving the gospel because a lot of us say we're believers, but a lot of us don't live as believers. And what we're going to see today is this one man, a disciple of Paul, who understood the gospel, but more important than that, he lived out the gospel 
in faith, in love, endured by hope. And that's what we're all called to do. Not to be hypocrites, but to live out the gospel in that manner. So we begin a new series today in the book of Colossians. And if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up to Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. We're going through this whole semester verse by verse as we always do to semesters through this particular letter, this epistle. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab one underneath the chair, open up to Colossians. We are going to have the verses on the screen behind me. So let's open up, dig in. We've got a lot to cover, eight verses to be exact. And here's how Paul opens up. Verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother. Two things I just want to flesh out quickly in this opening verse. Paul usually introduces himself in the letters that we read in the New Testament that he writes to these churches as who he is. An apostle of Christ. He says a servant, a bondservant, a doulios in Greek, serving the Lord. Now, just as some of you don't know, Paul was not a literal apostle that walked with Christ those three years that he did ministry. Paul, if you recall was confronted by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Saul, who he was back then, was on his way to persecute Christians. And Christ had countered him and chose him to be an apostle. But what's so neat to see that he was an apostle to the Gentiles, to you and to me, to the non-Jewish community. The other thing I want us to just focus on quickly is that a lot of people believe that both Paul and Timothy wrote this letter because of what he says. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. What makes it a little more confusing as we're going to see is that for the, the first chapter, Paul uses a plural verb. He says we, a pronoun, we, I'm sorry. But then right after the first chapter toward the end, he tends, tends to change it to singular. I believe, as well as other smarter individuals than me, that Paul was a sole writer of this letter. And Timothy, his disciple, was coming along and saying, I agree. Whatever he says, I am with him in spirit. Verse 2. He says this. To the saints... He's writing to believers. He's, he's telling us who his audience is. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Let me just share with you a little overview of the book we're about to further study in this semester. Now the city of Colossae, we have a map up here. The city of Colossae was about 120 miles away from Ephesus. Here are some of the cities in which Paul had planted churches. And it's so fascinating to me that we read that while Paul was in prison in Rome, chained up to a centurion, he was writing this letter. As a matter of fact, it is believed that during this time, not only did he write, did he write the letter to the Colossians, he also wrote the letter to Ephesus, the Ephesians. Ephesians. He wrote several letters. And you know what's beautiful about Paul? Is that even though he was under extreme difficult circumstances, he was still sharing the gospel. He was still discipling him. Nothing could stop him from doing so. The other thing that is believed to have happened is that this letter was written about 62 A.D. 
little bit over 30 years after Jesus Christ had ascended into heaven. And what we're going to see, the main theme of this letter that Paul is writing to the Colossians is that Jesus Christ is supreme and sufficient. See, what we're going to see is that these new believers were starting to believe a different gospel. These people, Gnosticism was creeping into the city and other churches as well. And here's what they were saying. They were saying, you know what, yeah, faith alone in Christ alone, the gospel, that's good. But there's more than that. We're going to show you the mysteries of God. And you're not there yet because we're more righteous than you. And in order for you to step it up, you got to do these things. And Paul saying, no, 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 don't listen to those false teachers. It's faith alone in Christ alone, period. He is sufficient. He is supreme. He's also writing to tell them, hey, you guys need to forgive. There was a lot of unforgiveness at this time. He's also going to write, as we're going to see, is this is the way you're supposed to act as husbands, and this is the way you're supposed to act as wives. He's going to say, this is supposed to, the way you're supposed to work, and everything you do, this is how you do it. Thousands of years ago, this letter was written, but thousands of years later, it still applies to you and to me. It still applies to this church in Laredo, Texas, Grace Bible Church. You know what's interesting as well? Is that Paul had never ever met these believers. And it's believed he never got to go to Colossae. He had heard about them through this one man who had heard Paul preach, went back and planted a church in this city. He goes on in verse 3. He says we. That's what I'm talking about, the plural, right? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Why? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So Paul says, this is my prayer that I'm thankful to God And these three things in specific he mentions, he says, I am thankful because of your faith in Christ Jesus. I am so thankful because of the love that you have for each other, the church. And I'm thankful that you're being able to do so because of the hope you have in heaven. Of the things to come. He's really just saying, I'm thankful that you know the gospel, but you're living out the gospel. I want to just say that these, I believe, are the three pillars of Christianity. Faith, love, and hope. And I believe, as we're going to see, that Christianity begins with faith. Christianity begins with faith. And that's what Paul mentions first. Why? Because the Christian life begins with faith for anyone Anyone to become a believer, they need to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Galatians, we were under the law before until faith. Faith freed us from the law. 
Faith in whom? In Christ Jesus. He's so clear in Ephesians how we receive that faith or that grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, he says this. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. It is God's grace and mercy that saves us. It is a gift that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. When we truly believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross, took a punishment, the wrath of God for you and for me on the cross, and we truly believe in the heart that on the third day he rose again from the dead, and we trust in that, we have our faith in that, we become believers. We are adopted into his family. Christianity begins with faith. As a matter of fact, faith is, again, the, the foundation, I believe, to our walk with Christ because the author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, faith, it is impossible to please him, pleasing God. Why? For whoever would draw near to God must not an option, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We can't, can't please God without faith. We must believe in him. We must believe that he exists. We must have our faith in Christ Jesus and him alone. We must believe in the gospel. What is the gospel? I think this should be a memory verse for all of us because Paul makes it so clear in black and white. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, he says this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand. And by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And here it comes. Here's the gospel, black and white. Here it is, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. It begins with our faith in Christ. And then Paul goes on and he mentions love. See, because Christianity begins with faith and faith produces love. That's what it does. Love should overflow us. That should be... Everything that we do should be done in love. You know the story in the gospel. They come up to Jesus, the lawyer does, and says, hey, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Let me, let me just read to you what he says. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Deuteronomy 6. This is the great and first commandment, Jesus says. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments depend all that we read today, which is called the Bible. Loving God and loving others. Listen, church. You can't say you love God if you don't love one another. You just can't. It is impossible. We need to love the church. We need to love others. You know, Paul writes quite a bit about love, and, and most of us are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter. We, we hear it at weddings, right? This is what he says. And, and watch how he mentions these three pillars of the gospel. So now faith, hope, and love abide. 
These three, but the greatest of these is love. Christianity, it begins with faith. Faith produces love, and both are inspired by hope. Our motivation to live out the gospel is in our hope of Jesus Christ, of what's to come. First Thessalonians, Paul writes, chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, We remember before our God and Father your work produced, and he's going to mention it again, by faith. Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope the way we live should not be on this earth, but on the promises that are to come in eternity. Don't listen to the prosperity gospel, church. We live our lives in faith, in love that is encouraged and endured and motivated by the hope we have in Christ Jesus. I love what Chuck Swindoll writes about this. He says this, faith looks back to the anchor of salvation, Jesus Christ's person and work, Love looks around, building up the body of Christ through selfless service toward one another by the power of the Holy Spirit. And hope, he says, looks ahead to the unchangeable promise of God the Father that he will one day usher us into his presence. That should be our motivation to live in faith and in love. Continuing his prayer. Paul writes in verses 5, he says, of this, of what, of what I just told you, of, of these three pillars of faith, love, and hope, he says, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, and it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Three things Paul mentions here about the gospel the way it's being lived out in faith, love, and hope. First of all, he mentions that it had come to them. Someone had told them about the gospel. Who is this someone? Look with me in verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. See this guy? Epaphras, whom we probably read of before. He's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. We read about it. We read names like this. And this idea is like, oh, okay, cool. But do you see that impact that he had? He heard the gospel from Paul. He emulated Paul in living out his life in faith, love, and hope. And then went to his city. And planted a church because of discipleship. That's incredible. That's amazing. The second thing that Paul mentions is that the gospel is bearing fruit. It is increasing. Man, isn't that true today? The same gospel that was preached back then is now preached today. And is transforming lives. Changing and bearing fruit. And then lastly, he mentions that it also has changed the believers, which he has not met yet, but had transformed them since the very first day they heard it. True today. Transforming the Holy Spirit, transforming us since day one, justifying us. And we are called to be sanctified 
through the gospel. How? Through faith, love, and hope. You know, 30 years prior, this letter being written, Jesus Christ lived out these three things perfectly. You want to talk about faith? God himself, living everything, all the riches of heaven, stepped down and became man. Fully man, but yet still be fully God. We're going to talk about that in verse 14. The deity of Christ. He suffered, but he had faith. Perfect obedience to God the Father. And we see that faith in him in the garden. You know the story. Three times, God, Father, Father, there's any other way, any other way. Because I know what's going to happen to me. I know the pain I'm going to receive. If there's any other way. But his faith, through his faith, he said, that your will be done, not mine. You want to talk about love? Love. Is there anything greater demonstration of love than the cross? Jesus himself dying for you and for me. I mentioned 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter a little while ago. And we know this. As Paul writes, love bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. Endures. I saw that and I want to make a word study on so I did. In Greek it's pronounced upomino. Upo mino, endure. That's the same word that the author of Hebrews writes when he says that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Upo mino. You know what that means? To keep on pushing forward, no matter the suffering, no matter the pain, no matter the discomfort. Think about it, church. At any point, Jesus as he's carrying the cross and said, I'm done with this. This is not fair. I'm not going to endure with this. Why? But he didn't. That's love for you and for me. Hope. You know where we should have hope? Our only hope should be in him. And that's why we need to, because of him, live our life in this manner. Sharing the gospel. Living out the gospel. This one man, Epaphras, did this huge thing. As a matter of fact, it is believed, I don't know if it's true or not, but I read that 300 years later, this church in this small city was one of the most influential churches in the ancient time. 300 years. What would it look like, church, if, if Grace Bible Church was full of epiphysis or however you pronounce this? That 300 years from now, people would look back and say, you know that church, Grace Bible Church, is still transforming lives. How? By sharing the gospel. By telling others to come and see. By serving one another. By loving one another. That would be awesome. And it can be done, church. It can be done. So ask yourself, are you living in faith? Are you living in love? Are you serving? We just finished a series, Momentum, 
show how we can be disciple makers, how we can be generous, how we can come together as a church. But let me ask you more importantly, are you living in hope? Because if your hope is in this world, you are going to be greatly disappointed. If your hope is in you, I got a secret for all of us. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Everything around you of this earth will perish. The only true hope that's everlasting is Christ Jesus. Will you join me in living out our lives in faith, love, and hope? Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks that you are a sovereign God that has left us the authority, your authority, your truth in the Bible, Father, that it shows us how to live our lives here loving one another, but more importantly, tells us how we need to love you with all our hearts and with all our souls and with all our strengths. Father, I can't wait what you have in store for your church, Grace Bible Church, as we, through the Holy Spirit, go out these doors and not live in fear or stress or depression, but live in joy and faith and in love. Why? Because we have a hope that one day your son's going to come back and make all things whole again. So that day comes, Father, we want to be a church that is serving you and only you so that we can be a church that will still change lives 300 years, 400 years, or until you return. We love you, Father. We say all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you.